Hi, welcome to That Reminds Me Of, a podcast about film and the films that remind us of that film. You're here with Baron and the Doc. And the Maestro. Do we need another drink? Yes, we do. Yeah. Hey, Doc, how are you? Baron, I'm very well. <laughs> Good. Hey, we're in the new studio. The new studio. I think this is our new home. I like it. We've got new chairs. It's kind of throne-like, comfy chairs. Emperor-like, may you say. Very much so. And what have we seen today? Well, a film about Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon by Ridley Scott. Were yeah. you excited um, prior to going into this? Yes, I was, because I always look forward to seeing what Ridley Scott's going to bring to the table. However, Ridley Scott is known, at least I think so, mm. as being a little hit and miss. So you never know exactly what you're going to get, whether you're going to get the genius, amazing, cult, classic Ridley Scott or the what just happened, Ridley Scott. <laughs> so you were anxious. I was a little anxious. Yeah. yeah. Look, yeah. I, I was excited. I've been reading Les Mis mm-hmm. for ages now and yeah. I'm about a third of the way through only. So it's a long slog. Yeah. And I've just read a section on Waterloo. So I was in this Bonapartian kind of mindset. That's great. And I've even started listening to a podcast called The Age of Napoleon. Wow. So I've been... This is timely for you. Timely, yeah. Nothing wow. to do with the fact that we chose to watch it. Uh, you know, I had a moment where I went, this is very lame is what's happening right now. It's, yeah. You know, because the setting is the revolution. There's a lot of similar scenery happening, you know. Don't the world spoilers, feels the same. I haven't seen the film. I'm, okay. I'm just plowing through the novel before okay. I can see the, see the film. Well, should we do a, before we get too deep into this, should we do a synopsis for Napoleon? Yep, I think it's your turn. Okay. Uh, IMDb, classic, says that Napoleon is an epic that details the checkered rise and fall of French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte and his relentless journey to power through the prism of his addictive, volatile relationship with his wife, Josephine. Hmm. What do you think about that? Well... I think what it nails is yeah. that the heart of this film is about his relationship with Josephine. And I just wish that the film had actually focused in on that, that heart a little more and made that really the center of the whole thing. It mm. almost is, but it just feels like it's a little weakly done. But otherwise, I think, yeah, we're talking about Napoleon, his chase for power and his relationship with his wife. Well, I, I would say given, given that... I don't think it was explored properly, the relationship mm. with his wife. And it left you really wondering what, what really was the relationship with his wife. I, d- I don't know still. But given that, I would actually prefer to go the other way altogether and ditch the relationship with the wife. Because it wasn't done well. Because it wasn't done well. And yeah. then at least we could have a proper history lesson about what this man actually was. Yeah, there's, so that suggests two versions of this film yeah. that aren't this version. But, you know, there's the... He's off in battles Mm. and he's having a letter romance with his wife and we really focus on the battles. Or there's another version where it's almost like the battles are off off scene, they happen in the distance and Mm. it's all about his visits with Josephine, which could have been, that could be a really tight film in itself. Yeah, 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 that one would be... Yeah, the story behind the story. Yeah. But that would be really cool. It's almost like that's in a way what he was trying to do, but he couldn't help himself yeah. to try and give us all a history lesson and then hadn't read all the books required to, to give the history lesson. 
See, now, I think you're nailing in on the thing that bothered me the most about this film. I think also we should just be upfront and say that, you know, there's massive problems with, with this yeah, film. We, That's coming across, right? I, I think it has. I, yeah. I think we spelled that out yeah. clearly, but I didn't particularly like the film, although I can find, you know, jewels in it. Oh, yeah. There's still some Ridley Scott genius peppered through it. Mm. There are some moments for sure, but this is the one where you go, what happened, Ridley? Like, what's what's the deal? The history lesson aspect of it, I think, is one of the problems. Is mm. it does, it is, you know, it's, it's title carded the whole way through it. Oh, here's the Battle of 19... Well, no, not 19. 18, 17. <laughs> 17. Well, 17 and 18, it, yeah. Into the early 18s, yeah, yeah, yeah. 17, whatever, 80-something through to 18, whatever. The whole way through, and there's even these... He, he even uses like light blooms to kind of just kind of, I guess, finish a chapter off mm. and go, we're done with this little piece of history. Let's move on to the next piece of history. And it just, it, it feels like the film is over burdened with, let's do the history lesson. Overburdened. That's so well put. It's overburdened with, like many Hollywood things, trying to appease everybody. Yeah. And ending up appeasing nobody. Yes. Um, and I reckon there's two main audiences here, mm. both who would have gone home disappointed. One is the audience that knows bloody nothing about Napoleon and would think, oh, I'm going to learn a bit about Napoleon. But this was one of the first times I've heard people audibly leave the cinema saying, I'm so confused. I don't know what was going on. So those people, there's nothing in it for them. And I reckon the other audience are the people who have watched all of the Age of Napoleon podcasts that I'm trying to trek through. So we know everything. And they would be frustrated at how, you know, unfaithful it perhaps is to to history and how flippantly it deals with history. Yeah. So I, I don't think anyone leaves really satisfied. There were too many characters. There were so mm. many characters and they were all played by Brits who were all great actors, probably, <laughs> from TV shows that I haven't seen. Probably. I recognise some of them, but um, there you know, the faces you recognise in there. But it's yeah. just, there's just a constant flow of important old white guys that are from either you know, Russia or um, wherever. Different places, Britain Austria. Or Austria. And, and you just, you're bombarded with them. And like, maybe they're important if you're a real fan, but um, like in terms of just like simple storytelling, mm. it's it's too much. A couple of things I wanted to mention. Mm. We, we're talking Hollywood here. The opening of this film, it says an Apple original. I found that really off-putting <laughs> yeah. right from the start. And then off the back of that, you get the most awkward scenes with Joaquin Phoenix playing. He's a junior soldier, or he's a captain, yep. I think, who's trying to make his, you know, make his mark. And none of it, none of it works. I, I knew from like a minute in to this film that we were in trouble. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna agree. Yep, but also counter a little bit with my first reminds me. Great, let's get into that. So I was reminded in those early days of the film when I was still this young and fresh guy who could love this film. Yeah. I hadn't made my mind up that I didn't like it yet. Um, and I love Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. I was reminded of The Killer, which is our last episode. Oh, please explain. So in The Killer by David Fincher, we have Michael Fassbender being this assassin who is always in control. Mm -hmm. But part of the narrative of The Killer is that you see him 
with the heart rate monitor actually you know not in control of his emotions and everything and we all think of napoleon in popular culture as this sort of you know emperor conqueror character but in those early days we're seeing this sort of fidgety nervous um not unsure of himself sort of guy and i thought that held some promise in a similar way to the to what the killer did i was it still made me uncomfortable and i wondered how, where they were going to take that and i don't think that resolved itself very well but I, w- I was still open to it working in the early days that could have been handled so well so much mm. better than it was you come in thinking he's going to be a little bit like you know he's a, a born killer a born mm. leader amazing at this and he's just he's just been waiting for his opportunity but he does seem really nervous and he does seem really shaky and you know not the man he's going to become i i think i like those elements yeah. of, of his character they're just not maybe as fleshed out as they could be not as well realized as, as they could be and and not consistently applied which yeah. i reckon that was probably the intention to show that this guy's complex mm. and he's both a strong leader but also a little pussycat, you know, in the bedroom, but also yep. then a tough, trying to be a tough guy. All these, you know, um, contradictions. So I think that's probably the the essence of what history remembers of Napoleon. Yeah. All these different things and you can't quite, almost like Shakespeare, you can't put your finger on who he really was. No. You get the sense it's all pieced together from his letters to Josephine as well. Yeah, probably. Like, you know, that's that's where the insights come from. Yeah, need to read those letters. Great material. Well, well, yeah, lean into that then. Like, yeah. If you call the film The Letters of Napoleon, you know, and have him not with his hat but in, you know, just looking like a normal man and then we peel back all the the pop culture and we actually see, oh, this gentle sort of enigma that's under all the fluff, that'd be cool. Yeah. I agree. I'd, I'd I think go we're, for that. I feel like we're going back to the idea of this isn't a war film. This is a yeah. relationship film, which I like. Yeah. So don't try and do two films at once. No. Ridley. I want to know you, what it reminded you of. Oh, sorry. So, no. Well, no. I was just about to jump straight into that. I think what I was just circling in my head just now, and it's my first reminds me of, is Gladiator. Also a Ridley Scott film. Mm. What this film feels like it sh- was trying to be. Yeah. or should be in terms of quality and approach and just nailing a very succinct kind of take on a hero rising through the ranks. Mm. Rega- in, in the case of Gladiator, he loses everything and then sort of regains his glory. Yeah, um, This is almost the reverse of that. You know, he starts off strong and then starts getting defeated because of his, his vanity, I suppose. Mm. Like Gladiator is such a great Ridley Scott film if that that handles the wartime stuff and the sort of relationship stuff really, really well. And it always amazes me that you have in one filmmaker the this guy who can do very similar films and mm. nail one and kind of screw the other one up. I reckon, I reckon the raw material of Gladiator would have done a lot of the heavy lifting for him. Great script. This, this is, you know, this script is not as solid. So material-wise, I think there's quite a difference. But interesting, we've got Joaquin Phoenix in both films playing, in a way, a kind of similar character, mm. someone who's chasing power. I feel that with Gladiator, he had more of a, more of a hero's journey to work with, mm-hmm. whereas Napoleon is just too 
like it's just feels like real life and you know the rise and fall you know he ends in a bit of a whimper yeah um and the ending just, in a whimper thing makes it hard right yeah like because you're tied to history and he just gets exiled that's not really very exciting <laughs> yeah there's no arc there's no natural no. arc, and this is a true story yeah and so you have to stick with it and not a natural arc worth following and then trying to map that lack of an arc to a kind of lack of an arc in the relationship as well yeah like she just dies while he's away yep it's 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 a hard gig to make that i agree enticing in a storytelling way you know, you know when I when I think about the material, I feel like it, it's possible though. You know, it feels possible, but this isn't this isn't the approach. Yeah, yeah, agree. Mm. So, what's your next reminds me of? My next reminds me of is the King's Speech, uh, where we have a wow. his, historical figure. Yeah, and we're privy to the you know private life and the anxieties of the, that historical figure. Yeah. Um, so yep. the King's Speech, from memory, I haven't seen it for ages, but it was pretty awesome. I it's think. a great film. Uh, it's a great film. Colin Firth, you really feel like you know him. Yeah. You feel his anxieties about his um, his speech impediment, and everything. When he's then up on stage, talking to the masses, you're just with him. Your heart's in your mouth. Yeah. Is he going to get it right? And I, I feel that we we are getting sort of inside. Joaquin Phoenix's Napoleon occasionally, but never really, it never really pays off. Like yeah. He, he, he has all these moments out in public. You could inhabit him a bit more and have the sort of nerves of, that he has, but yeah. you sort of, you sort of don't and you don't really care. It's just performative. Performative's a good word. I don't, I don't think I ever felt very attached to his character. Mm. I think there are a couple key moments in there that work really well. It, it's usually got something to do with him kind of his reaction to what's happening with Josephine. Mm. But on a whole, like, I don't think you, I don't think there was any one battle that I really felt was super important in the scheme of all things. No. Um, never really tapped into like what was driving him. It was still kind of unclear at the end of the film, like why he's so obsessed with being Caesar-like and kind of taking over the world. It's sort of not really clear even then. And the other thing I think that's really missing from this film is a villain. Like, yes. The, you kind of almost have a villain with uh, the young Tsar Alexander, but he's like not a fully realized character. And there's potential mm. there for him to have been a great villain. Just, you know, a cocky young counterpart to his experience mm. who just outwits him the whole time and then has that great moment where he visits his wife and kind of dances with her after he's defeated him. Like that's such a good moment, but it's just underwhelming in the whole scheme of the thing. Like is, is it even a real moment? So if, it's a, if it is a real moment that happened, mm. then wow, what material to play with. Yeah. If it isn't a real moment, then sort of you, you're sticking it in there, but not properly even making the most of this insertion. Right. You know, why insert it if you're not going to yeah. make some, you know, some plot point value out of it? Related to that is, you know, you've got things like the, you know, the papers that are making fun of... Yeah, um, the newspapers. The newspapers so. that, yeah, making fun of Josephine's infidelities with certain people and making Napoleon look like a, a bit of a laughing 
laughing stock. That goes to like the attempts at humor mm. in this this whole thing. What what did you make of that? There were a few moments where clearly Ridley is trying to add m- moments of levity. Oh, I didn't really get levity from it at all. No, I didn't either, but I think no. he was trying to. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't get any of that. No. But but don't didn't didn't you even see that he was trying? No, I didn't even see that he was trying, honestly. Wow. I thought he was I thought he was trying to just sort of add the historical note that, you know, his relationship with France is a little bit up and down that, you know, mm. they admire him as a war leader, but they're also making fun of him at the same time. Yeah. Because he's short and he's, you know, his wife's cheating on him and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> you know. I think the jury's out as to how short he actually was, by the way. Really? Mm. There you go. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the light and shade of this just didn't really play off. There are a couple really amazing moments in the battle scenes, but some of them are not amazing. Some of them are pretty average. Um, there are a couple really great moments of performance with mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix, and there's a lot of weird wooden stuff as well that's you know very unappealing, hard to connect to. Yeah. It's just a bit. It's just very hit and miss the whole way through. Yeah, not a consistent performance. Like Joaquin's been brought in. Yeah, different days to shoot a few things, and he hasn't yeah. nailed the same character. The first like twenty minutes of this is pretty shit, honestly. Mm. <laughs> like, he's it's it's he's a really difficult character to connect with. It, he does warm up like the the Napoleon character warms up as it goes, and I think you you do start to connect with him. But those first twenty were pretty tough. It's hard to see what was going on there. It does feel like those were shot at the very start of the shoot and it took it took Joaquin a little while to warm up to his take on Napoleon maybe. Well speaking of warming up to takes on Napoleon, yeah. what's your second reminder? Oh me? yes, we should do that. Another film that Ridley Scott made that I think is was a real miss and that was Robin Hood. I haven't seen Robin Hood. And you know, strangely enough also has one of the actors from Gladiator which was a real hit. Mm. It has Russ in it, Russie. Was 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 Russi in Robin Hood? Yeah. Who was he? He was the overaged Robin Hood. He was old Robin Hood. Really? Yeah. Okay, sorry. When you said Robin Hood, yeah, I'm thinking of the Princess Bride guy. <laughs> Men in Tights. <laughs> Men in Tights. <laughs> well, I, I Men in Tights is a far superior film to Robin Hood <laughs> with seen, Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen um, Russell Crowe's Robin Hood. Like, don't worry about it. Skip it. Now I'm dying to. <laughs> but a great actor... Who's just not great in this film. Doesn't hit with the character. Feels like he's miscast. None of the chemistry of who that hero is meant to be kind of works. It just reminded me of this. Was was he was he young Russell Crowe, muscly Russell Crowe no. or fat Russell Crowe? He's sort of like slightly too old, fat Russell Crowe playing Robin Hood. Doesn't work. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that resonates with me because it's, yeah. it's like... It was very much just Joaquin Phoenix pretending to be Napoleon a little bit. Like that's a like little that bit, would have been right? Russell Crowe in a green suit and a and a bow and arrow. I kept thinking the way this is coming off, you know, you'd be better off finding a lesser known French actor mm. who could just nail this. Yeah, absolutely. Then try absolutely. to put yeah, then <laughs> try to put Joaquin Phoenix in there, and this is the performance you've got. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, another. Reference for me, this is a bonus, was going to be um, Walk the Line. Oh, the, yeah. When Joaquin Phoenix plays Johnny Cash. Yep. I haven't seen that film. Well, my memory of it is that he just 
nailed it. Mm. And he's yeah. very he's got a very unique face, Joaquin, and just like Johnny Cash has a very unique face. Yeah. They look nothing like each other in in real life. But you just you you watch this film and you think it's Johnny Cash. You just take it in. He's one of the great character actors. Like he is. He he, he really is. Yeah. And yet this is another one of him playing a, a historical figure. Mm. And you just can't grasp him throughout. Like no. sometimes he's sometimes he just looks like a young, normal Joaquin Phoenix. Other times he looks like, you know, Robert De Niro. Um <laughs> <laughs> Not specifically Robert De Niro, but you know Robert De Niro when he's in that that mode of just thinking being Robert De Niro is enough. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, yeah, like he thinks just I've I'm Robert De Niro. I've got this face. I will just put on the costume and still just be Robert De Niro, and that's enough. Yeah, that's kind of what um, Phoenix was doing. A little bit of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I totally it agree. Kills me to say it because I love yeah. him. Yeah, that's the first twenty minutes of the film. That's mm. that's him being strangely wooden, wooden, and you just like have to just read into that something, but it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, but you meant to, you meant to think that because you because you have to read into it. Yep, you're meant to see oceans of meaning, right? Aren't you? No, exactly. And sometimes that works brilliantly, and sometimes you just. Just it, it means nothing. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So this film meant nothing. Ugh, honestly. <laughs> well, did you have any other either references or thoughts? I think I think I've said enough. Um, <laughs> I think we've got to the point of, you know, what maybe might have made it work and why it didn't. How about you? Any final thoughts? I've got a couple of bonus ones. I said All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. Was, yeah. was, was a quickie. The uh, new All Quiet on the Western Front? The the one we saw not that long back. Yeah, I, th- I think the new one, but more so just the premise of a sort of Anglo-American Hollywood audience having to to relate to a story of the other side. So this is obviously you know from the perspective of the French, and the enemy is the English. But what comes with that is that interesting question of when you are portraying you know a different culture, a different language. How how do you do that, and then what do you do specifically with the accents and the language? Mm. Do you have do you let them speak in in the in the mother tongue and have subtitles? Do you have them just have awkward Frenchy accents or Corsican accents in Napoleon's situation, or do you make all the French sound like poms and Napoleon sound like uh, an American? <laughs> I don't know which I'd choose. But I'm not leaning towards the latter. <laughs> there was something... Because I just saw it and I didn't like it. <laughs> There's something slightly <laughs> off about it, don't you reckon? You know, uh, you know, Ridley Scott's done that a bunch of times before. Let, let's just let everybody just have their accent. And it's worked. Yeah. It works in Gladiator. It's fine. Uh, but it didn't work here. Yeah, it felt... I like everybody. Let, let, let everybody have their accent. But this felt structured. It felt like, okay, we're going to... Yeah. There was a little map and we're going to let the... French people have English accents. The Napoleon and his crew, because they're Corsican, they're meant to have accents even in France. Mm. They'll have a different accent. So they'll oh. have the American accent. Interesting. So it felt structured to me. Well, that sounds like that should be okay. That should work. But it didn't. I think the problem maybe is not the accents, but just the overly large entourage of characters. Yeah. It's yeah. just too too confusing. 
Well, speaking of cutting back and the fact that this was two and a half hours and it probably shouldn't have been. Right. And just generally the theme of going too long. <laughs> yeah, should we keep it short? Maybe we should stop there. I like it. All right, let's do it. Till next time, Doc. Till next time. See you in the studio on your Emperor's Throne. Thanks, <laughs>